Welcome to the Marketers That Matter Visionaries Podcast, hosted by Nadine Dietz, the GM of Marketers That Matter and EVP of 24-7. The marketing landscape is constantly changing, but we believe that when marketers at the forefront come together to share insights, you can confidently lead yourself, your teams, and the industry into the unknown. The future is here, and it's moving fast. So let's bring on the visionaries from today's top brands pioneering the future and get this conversation started. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Visionaries. Today, we're bringing you the live conversation that took place during MTM's San Francisco Forum, which was hosted by Autodesk. Dara Traceder, who is Autodesk's CMO and a true force in the industry, was joined by three other powerhouse leaders for this conversation. We had Lara Balas, CMO and GM of Strategic Partner Group at Intuit, Taj Alavi, VP and Global Head of Marketing at Spotify, and Nick Drake, VP of Marketing at Google. The four of them talked all about how they're fostering innovation while keeping their teams motivated and how leaders can bring structure and calm to the swirl happening right now. Now here's Nadine Dietz to kick off the inspiring conversation. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. We're really excited to have you all with us today. I'm Nadine Dietz. I am the GM of Markers That Matter and the EVP at 24-7, which is our parent company. Collectively, we thank you for being here. But most importantly, we want to thank our host, who is Dara Traceder, the CMO of Autodesk. And I'm going to ask her to come up and join me here. So, Dara, thank you for hosting us today. Thank you so much. We're honored to host Marketers That Matter. I know several of our marketers have been to many of your events at other locations. So part of being a community is contributing to the community. So we're really, really glad to have you all here. Some of you may be wondering where you are. You are in the Autodesk gallery. And Autodesk, we are software for people who make things. That chair you're sitting on is probably designed by our software. This building we're in, a plane that you fly on, maybe to get here, movies that you love. Uh, games that your kids may play or you may play, no judgment here, we're all gamers, <laughs> um, was designed and made, made with our software. We have a wonderful gallery after this session. We have happy hour, food, drinks. So don't rush off, you know, make connections, meet someone that you haven't met before, enjoy the gallery, check out our cool technology and be inspired. Thank wow. you. That's a way better intro than mine. You're hired. So, <laughs> well, thank you, Dara. And I really appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to bring all of our speakers on in a minute. I wanted to um, take a minute and just talk a little bit about why we're here today. Yeah. We are here today to talk about balancing motivation, innovation, and uncertainty. Um, I don't know how many of you have thought this year has been maybe one of our toughest years ever in marketing. I know I have. Anybody agree? Yes, I see nods, I see hands. And you know what? It's easy to talk about what's not working, but today we wanna to talk a little bit about what could be working and what is working. Because when we're faced with adversity, amazing things happen and innovation blossoms and team morale rises after you get through the bumps. And so we're gonna talk about all of you as leaders of your own teams some ideas on how we can get through the next six months and end this year on a high. Who wants to end on a high this year? I do, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we have some amazing speakers who are doing that and they're gonna share their experiences with you. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our three in-person speakers and we know Nick's there with us online. 
You just met Dara, but Dara, tell us a little bit more about you and your role and why you decided to take that on. Yeah, so I am the chief marketing officer here at Autodesk. You know, people ask me, why did you join Autodesk? And it really comes down to three things. First, the people. Um, I'm really big on culture. And one of the things that really excited me about this company is that the culture is just so incre incredible. You know, it, there are very few Silicon Valley companies where people join and they never want to leave. And Autodesk is one of them. And I, I didn't quite understand why until I actually became a member of Autodesk. It's such a people-centric culture. Our people are really at the heart of everything that we do. I'm not saying we get it all right, because I've got some team members here that might be able to tell you how we don't get it right. Um, but we focus on on our people. And, and that is always you know, the center of what we do. And so that really spoke to me. The second thing is really about purpose and impact. You know, I always want to make the biggest impact. And in previous roles, I'd worked in, in a variety of industries. But one of the things that excited me about Autodesk was, you know, there are very few jobs where you get to work in architecture, construction, engineering, media, entertainment, design, and manufacturing. And I was like, you know, check, 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 and check. So the chance to be able to work at a company where we impact so much of the world around us digitally and physically was so exciting. And when we think about the future of how we design and make a better world, Autodesk is really leading that charge. And so the chance to have that kind of impact um, was really, really inspiring to me. And then the last piece is I'm just really passionate about the work that we do. You know, Autodesk, many times as a marketer, you join a company and you're trying to find a story to tell. Anyone had any of those jobs where it's like, uh, feels like you want me to be a magician. Um, and, and the opposite was true at Autodesk. There's so many stories that just need to be told. And that's really exciting when the business is ahead of the brand because it creates such a unique opportunity as a marketer. So I was very excited to get into a place where the business is, is ahead of the brand and we have a chance to kind of tell those stories and really turbocharge growth for our customers, ourselves and our partners. Amazing, thank you. How about you, Laura? Yeah, hi everybody. Uh, I am Laura Vlash. I am the CMO of Intuit. I'm also the general manager of a, a business unit that we have, so I also run a PL. I have been at Intuit for almost five years now, and I had the pleasure of working for brands like Visa. I know there's some Visa people in here, uh, Amazon, Nike, Gap. So what was great about Intuit is it really brought a lot of different skills and my background that was quite varied and brought them together to be part of really driving what is now a global fintech company. Uh, that you often will probably have used our brands, including Credit Karma, MailChimp, QuickBooks, and TurboTax. So um, one of the really cool things about this job and why I joined is it really was a chance to build a branded house, a platform brand, and realize in a world where we have over 100 million customers that we can actually start to see the power of a network effect, the power of a branded house, and ultimately drive what we have as our mission, which is powering prosperity around the world. And that is at the root of everything we do. And so similar to Dara, when you have a mission that is so strong and clear and your employees live and breathe it every day and they absolutely walk the talk, it is not just lip service. It's actually real and it's earnest. I mean, that is something that's incredibly um, hard to walk away from. So that is why I'm at into it. Great. Thank you. Taj. Hi. Hey, folks. My name is Taj Alavi. I'm the Global Head of Marketing at Spotify. 
I'm a Bay Area native. I'm a mom of two kids in 12 and 13. I only had to go about 40 minutes to get here. And I'm pleased as punch that I got here on time. So on time that I beat most of you, except maybe the people at Autodesk, which is a rarity for me. So I feel pleased as punch about myself. So if I absolutely fail the rest of this day, I'm actually a winner. <laughs> Play and say, hooray for myself. You gotta start with you, which is, I think is a mode, like a thing to consider. Cause we talk about things like balance and uncertainty and innovation. We start with like how we are centered and then kind of build from there. Cause then we exude the joy that gets everyone else going. Anyhow, so I joined Spotify after leading some fun um, front of screen apps that you guys are familiar with, like at Instagram and, and Uber, and most recently a company called Chime. Um, my day started back in the day with Clorox, where I see some of my old colleagues here as well. So it's really nice to be here together. I'm pleased as punch also to be here with Lara because I actually met her for the first time on her second day at Intuit. And Dara, who I've admired from afar, not only for her sensibility and like business acumen, but because her fashion is so on fire. <laughs> so, I mean, we're not missing that she's like Barbie, right? Like it's a, it's on a, brand, gotta be on brand. It's Barbie week, come on people. And the marketing course, feat of a lifetime, Barbie. <laughs> Thousand points of light, everyone. Make that your next go-to-market plan. Um, and Nadine, of course, thank you for including me. Yeah, of course. I, I am so thrilled to be here with three who I call great friends. It's amazing. And our fourth great friend here who's online. So Nick, please, can you introduce yourself? Figure out how Zoom works. <laughs> Poor, from Google, trying to get into Zoom is not easy. Let me tell you, you had to use a personal MacBook and go around the side. So thank you for all that effort. Thank you for being here, Nick. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems like all roads lead back to Lara, who was uh, my client <laughs> when I moved to North America like, years ago. Yeah, when we went to, I was on the at the agency uh, running the visa business. Um, but uh, no, I mean, more recently, I've been at uh, Google coming up for four years. I can't believe I'm saying wow. that. Wow, that's um, awesome. Where I moved over from T-Mobile, where I was the chief marketing officer. Um, I think the reason that I went is that Google's in a really interesting space, or at least the part of Google that I look after, in that often having been market leader in many of our products and services, we're not in many of the products that I look after. And, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed being a challenger brand marketeer and the opportunity to come to Google and, and maybe bring a slightly different perspective on how to go after, um, you know, market growth uh, in a company who's Mindset has always been, you know, how to maintain uh, great, um, you know, uh, product distribution uh, has been a really interesting challenge. And I've um, really enjoyed, uh, you know, coming and, and, and maybe um, pushing us to think a little bit differently about, uh, uh, you know, the marketing tool sets that we use. So that's been really exciting. And secondly, you know, even as far back as 2010, the company had a vision for uh, AI and generative AI and to be at the ground floor of, you know, hoping that we can deliver amazing tools to all of our partners that are going to redefine how we do most things in life. It's just a once in a lifetime opportunity. So it's been really exciting to see those products come to market readiness and, and be part of the team that's bringing those to our amazing customers and partners. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for that. And you all have been on such amazing career journeys, but this year in particular has been Pretty challenging, I'd say, going into this year from last year and then this year. Can you tell us a little bit about what this year has been like for you and your teams and, um, you know, the road that you're on? Uh, no particular to Bedaro, since you're right here, let's start with you. 
Sure. You know, it's been it's been a year of transformation and change. You know, every time you take a new job, I actually I'm not even one year in my job. I'm going to be one year in October. Um, and, you know, coming in, I started talking to Autodesk in February. I didn't take the job until October. <laughs> so I because I was you know wanting to settle things in my old role. I didn't want to just jump and leave, you know, when the company was going. It was really important to me to get the new CEO settled and whatnot. Um, but, you know, that gave me a long time to be very clear about what they wanted from me and make sure that I was aligned. Because sometimes, you know, as a CMO, people tell you what they want and you join and you're like, say, what? What's going on over here? Like, this feels like I was sold a pack of goods. Um, that was not the case here. Um, we were very clear, you know, Andrew, our CEO, Steve, our COO, we talked extensively about their vision for what they wanted marketing to do. And we're in such a unique position where our CEO actually used to be a C the CMO of the company. But um, I actually think he was like the chief product officer who also had marketing because he has a PhD from Stanford. I do not, in case you're wondering. And, and, and so he was a very technical leader but he really saw some of the things that he thought could be modernized in marketing. And so it, it's been exciting. It was very exciting for me to be able to clarify what that means. I had my hundred day plan written before I even got the job and I sent it to them because I was like, take a look at this. If you don't like it, I'm not the right one for you. Right. Just to, to really make sure that there was that understanding and agreement. And so when I got in, I knew exactly what we wanted to do and was able to kind of move really fast. But the, the reality of things is we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty, right? We're dealing with a lot of uncertainty. And then when you're trying to kind of turbocharge growth and modernize an organization, you also have to do a lot of tests. So we've done a lot of tests. We've done a lot over the past few months to try and see what's gonna work for us, what's not gonna work for us. Um, because it, when you have a playbook, you can't just run with the playbook without testing whether or not that playbook is going to work. And so for us, it's been a lot around, you know, transformation, a lot around testing and experimentation. And, you know, last but certainly not least, it's about it's been about how we can really empower our teams to also try new things they haven't done before and take on new challenges. So Autodesk has been doing AI before AI became cool. I need to let you all know that. We have an amazing <laughs> product called Fusion, um, which allows you to you do generative design. And so we've always had you know, AI as a part of our company. But one of the things we hadn't necessarily been thinking about is what does AI mean for our marketing, right? So that's been one of the things that we've been exploring to figure out how can we use this new technology to make our marketers more efficient? How can we use this to maybe take out some of the manual tasks? And, you know, we certainly don't have the answers yet because we're very much still in the exploration phase, but that's been an interesting, you know, focus for us because I think one of the things that's clear to me is AI is here to stay. So just like the internet was here to stay, just like computers were here to stay. Do you remember when there were human computers? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then, you know, I remember reading this article that was in the New York Times by a math teacher that was like, humans must always be computers. You know, if we end up using, you know, these things from IBM, it will be the end of civilization as we know it. He was wrong. Um, and, 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 you know, I think in, this, in a similar way, AI is here to stay. And so for us, it's been about, okay, if this thing is here to say, how do we and, and, you know, make sure our customers 
understand how we can support them. Because I think customers are dealing with two paradigms. On one side, they're also navigating uncertainty and unclear macroeconomic conditions. And they're thinking about who's going to be my trusted partner to help me navigate those challenges. On the other hand, they're seeing all this opportunity and potential. And they're thinking, who's going to be my trusted partner to navigate that? And we want to make sure that for all things design and make, we Autodesk are the trusted partner for that. So mobilizing our team to be able to do that has been, you know, it's been, it's been a big focus area for us. And it's certainly not been without trial and error and some successes and some failures. Absolutely. And we're going to come back and learn a little bit more about some of the breakthroughs. But Laura, how about you? Yeah, I mean, look, we're, this is a weird time. I, I would just say weird is, I've been doing this a long time. That's why I probably have worked, <laughs> Nick and I have known each other forever. <laughs> and um, I, it's just, this is one of the stranger economic periods in our history. And part of that is we had a pandemic, which is one of the most unique things that our population has been through in our lifetimes. And, you know, what I would say is in a world where it is so uncertain and we are so employee back as a company and customer back, by the way, our stakeholders are in that order. It's employees, it's customers, it's actually communities, and then shareholders last. They're all important, but we put them in that order. Employees, you know, we're, we run the company incredibly well financially. We have very strong financial principles, but we worry about our employees because every, you know, they're in Silicon Valley. Um, they're all over the world. They are having friends that are losing their jobs. And so one of the things that we're just constantly doing is checking in. And so we're, they're, they're all here. We haven't done layoffs. You know, there's a t intense intensity though that they're experiencing. So that is a focus area and critically important. And hopefully you're getting that support where you work. And then from a customer perspective, you know, I think that's the biggest thing in, in, and what we need to think about as marketers is in a customer back, customer obsessed world, these guys are going through a hard time. They're going through a really hard time. So how do you see and feel those customer problems at Intuit, we like to say, fall in love with your customer problems? That's how you get the best solutions as you don't just go right to the solution. You fall in love with that customer problem. That's what we're focusing on. You know, those two things I think are paramount and that's the journey we've been on as an, a collective you know, team of marketers and communicators that's you know, 900 people strong. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And Taj, I know, boy, working for a brand like Spotify, which is a reprieve for so many people, it's their out, their mental escape. You know, what's the year been like for you? I think I'll go back to your question to, explain, to answer that. Um, in times of uncertainty, I think of it as an ambiguous time. And I personally thrive in ambiguity. And the reason why I do it is I focus on what must be done. And in the case of Spotify, it's continuing to bring the joy the platform has offered. And also look, taking kind of the stance to find out, to show where we can be most brave and where we can shine. Because in ambiguity, leaders can rise. You can rise as a functional leader to kind of provide the focus and structure for people to thrive and hang on to what is clear and what is in hand. The project, the goal, the priorities. Kill the rest of the noise. And that gives the security to just focus on the job, get their jobs done, go home to their families and lives and continue on, right? Do it every day, the muscle gets stronger, it all feels okay. And then as a creative or a person who leads a brand that leads culture, I think ambiguity is one of the best times because while the world swirls, I can find 
nuggets that may not be seen or taken for granted because everyone else is swirling. And I can make those louder, I can add them up. And then they paint this amazing new picture that presents a new way to look at the platform, a new way to consider us, our role in culture, a new way to feel music, a new way to listen to creator. And that's because we're focused, we're clear, and the drum beat is steady. And then the more the drum beat to the consumer and our stakeholders and the artist is steady, then the internal team feels steady. And then you kind of keep going, right? And then change happens again and we do it again. Yeah, great. And we're going to come back and talk with you, um, of all of you, a little bit more about those stakeholders. You've all mentioned stakeholders, and then that's a big part of this equation. But before we do that, uh, Nick, I'm coming over to you to talk about what this year has been for you. And then we're going to mix it up, and I'm going to have you talk about stakeholders right away. So go for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love what Taj said about uh, helping your team find joy in the uncertainty. Um, I look at it in a very similar way. Uh, you know, these, these uncertain times and, um, you know, particularly moments of economic uncertainty, I think provide a, an enormous opportunity. Um, you know, it, it requires pivoting the organization and creating a mindset shift, but it allows for more innovation, I think. You know, when you're enjoying spectacular growth, it's easy to keep adding more fuel on the fire and, and maybe pull back on trying to find new ways to establish growth or bringing new innovation to market because you've got a good thing and you're going to keep funding it and mining the goodness. Um, and so I think moments of economic turbulence provide, you know, a unique opportunity to start new businesses, launch disruptive new products, strengthen customer relationships. Uh, and often you can do all of that at a discount because of the moment in time. And you know, when you're enjoying growth and expansion of investment envelopes, teams are not moved to do things like that. But it requires putting a bunch of things in place to get there. And you know, I think first of all, you know, I've been trying to give my team permission to fail. It only takes one great thing uh, to account for many failures. And uh, you know, I think Jeff Bezos has been brilliant at you know taking a calculated decision on what is worth failing at until you find something that's going to be great for your business and allowing that to live within your company. And, you know, I love that mandate um, and, and have tried to give the team permission to fail many times and then pile in with the celebration when out of many failures have come a success. I think we've had to ring fence budgets to allow people to not, um, you know, fear our incrementality measurement, you know, did this thing not quite live up to um, the standards that we've set across the business and give it freedom to iterate and grow? Um, you know, we focused on trying to build scalable infrastructure. If you find something that's great, you've got to move into it quickly. So are you capable of doing that? Are your platforms ready uh, for new growth? And so, you know, a lot of housekeeping in terms of our, our backend technologies that would allow us to scale uh, quickly if we find um, you know, new products or experiences that are working for us. Um, I think removing the echo chamber from the team, you know, when you live inside such a distinct culture, like at a company of Google, it's so important that you're at events like this. Uh, you're listening to new podcasts, you're reading thought leadership, and you're creating or taking inspiration from other places. And so we're really trying to encourage my team to get out there, have conversations, meet fellow marketeers and, and gather um, lots of new perspectives. And then the last thing is, I just asked my comms team to make innovation a theme. 
you know, it's in every newsletter. We hold hackathons on Friday. Um, you know, we have awards for innovation, you know, newsletters themed about where teams have been finding goodness or, or where something didn't quite work, but what we learned from, uh, from that experience. So just reinforcing that at every twist and turn, you know, and it sort of brings me back to where Taj started. You know, I think that brings more certainty and clarity to the teams and certainly more joy in what they're doing and, and removes um, you know, the specter of uncertainty because they feel they have permission to be doing something new and exciting and, you know, potentially incredibly valuable to the business uh, you know, during a period which could, under any other circumstance, be perceived as a challenge. Great. And when we think about stakeholders, Nick, you know, as the leader of your team, it's great that you can put this into place, but who are the stakeholders that you really need to bring along with you to be able to do these kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, Google, and I'm sure like um, many other businesses, we view ourselves as in servitude to our product and engineering teams. Uh, so everything we're doing is to provide value to the product roadmap or help them launch new products and services to customers. Uh, and then maintain you know, our daily active users, monthly active users, whatever it may be. Um, so we do a huge amount of work to establish providing value. And you know, it's becoming really exciting. Some things that it took us longer to provide value in are now becoming much shorter in their time horizon. So you know, traditionally, we would provide insights to a new product roadmap. It would take us six days of a squad's work. And now using some of the new generative AI tools we've been experimenting with, that's been moved down to just a few hours. Um, so we're really excited about bringing new value um, to some of our key stakeholders in that manner. I mentioned platforms, so we're really dependent on some of our internal technology teams for enablement. Uh, you know, we're putting a, a big push in place to make sure that our data infrastructure is in the right place, ready for uh, scaling new AI products. Uh, making sure that we're delivering personalization at scale and, you know, ever moving towards that unicorn of cross-channel attribution and, you know, beginning to find a lot of goodness in uh, some of the new tools at our disposal and giving us visibility into how we might attribute the value of activities over various channels. So, um, you know, the, the, the group of stakeholders haven't changed uh, necessarily, but those are key to our day-to-day -day practices, and then most importantly, uh, keeping the finance team close. You know, they hold the responsibility of, um, you know, making sure that Google meets our shareholder um, uh, value on a monthly basis and, and make sure that we deliver our quarters. Um, it's a very difficult uh, tightrope to walk when you're in a period of economic turbulence. And so making sure that we have high levels of communication and we're able to you know, pull the various levers that allow us to expand or contract our investment envelopes is required uh, to help the company, uh, you know, you know, deliver its, uh, its against its uh, OPEX commitments, uh, given there aren't that many levers you can pull in that direction and marketing's a big one. Great, thank you so much, Nick. And I have so many questions for all of you. So but I'm gonna come back to you, Tash, really quickly, because I know a big thing for you in managing expectations is knowing what metrics truly matter and where to lean in. Mm -hmm. You wanna talk a little bit about how you think about your activities as a marketing team through this time? Yeah, well, I guess it goes back to how do we define success, right? Like my framework that I use, whether it's like to plan a, a global initiative or like an offsite is what are we solving for? What does success look like? What are the dependencies? And are we all aligned to those dependencies to achieve that success metric, right? And then we give it a go. And I think when I, th 
the responsibility I hold is to maintain that cultural relevance and top of mind for Spotify, the brand, in 183 countries around the world. And to do that, um, we look at a couple things. But the most important is that not only our existing users, but the next generation of users has a favorable vibe <laughs> connection with the platform. And so when I think about that, what does that mean? I like It is my team's responsibility to to achieve that success metric of that top of mind um, metric is staying fresh, staying real, anchoring everything in the platform, connecting whatever message we have to the product. I mean, Nick spoke to like working in servitude. I would, I would, I would flip that language just a little bit to like <laughs> a, a partners in crime where like, you know, challenging the old marketing like in product live in separate worlds and sit with the product team and say, hey, I need a couple of these tools and features to achieve these metrics. So this goes back to like in times of uncertainty, what focus, where can I focus? Like in my case, it's like, I need to stay real. It's a competitive marketplace. We play a leadership role in culture. And how do you maintain that? You nurture it every single day. How can I as one team nurture it every day? I cannot. This is not a marketing only mission. So my job most days is talking to the product team, talking to the analytics team, talking to the other platform owned channels that we have and figuring how do we kind of get those working to kind of bing, 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 just like our friend on the phone. It's like that, like they hear from us, they hear from us and it adds up and it hears and they hear what they care about. So great. Wonderful. Thank you. Laura, I'm going to turn this um, in a different direction for a moment because I know we, the room is anxious to get together with all of us for the breakouts. Um, when you think about innovation and how that's really served you this year by just the, the way you've approached your team in leaner times, but also that innovation can really help to like really break through. What are some of the things you've seen along the way that you're excited about? Yeah. Well, it's already been brought up, but Gen AI, um, you know, we are very lucky. We've been a technology company for over 40 years. So you were talking about IBM. I mean, we were out there when DOS existed. Does that, <laughs> anybody remember DOS? Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you, because I do. Uh, so, <laughs> Nick, um, just, you know, good news is we're here. We've, you know, in the time I've been at the company, we were revenue at four and a half billion. We're now at almost 15 billion. So clearly we're doing something right. And it, it's from reinventing and disrupting yourself. And so the innovation that we're constantly working toward to be, it's still customer back. It's not tech back. So a little bit of the, hey, we're, we are in service to tech and product, but we need to be completely maniacally focused in service to the customer. Uh, but the innovation, so we, we started using AI and declared that we would be an AI-driven expert platform over five years ago, you know, as a way to really force that mentality, if anything, internally. And then Gen AI, we've just been incredibly, you know, blessed to be leaning into that and using the power of it. We've created our own Gen OS system. So we have our own Gen AI operating system as a company stood up. So we have our own financial you know, uh, language models that we're using. And then we have MailChimp, which hopefully some of you may use in your jobs, but it is now empowered in large part by Gen AI, where you're building content for your emails, for your connection to customers with Gen AI. And so um, 
one of the things I would just to say is innovation can be scary or, you know, bring the humans back. Um, I don't think humans go away in this. They don't. In fact, I think they'll become more important. And we do have calculus going around how it will affect our marketing. In fact, Moss is leading that. So hopefully that's going okay. Um, but, but it will give all of us, no pressure. Um, it will give all of us the time back on the strategic stuff that fires you up. You know, not that like stuff that you're like, I cannot believe I am doing this right now because we all do that. So just, just you know, um, I would argue that innovation in harder times can get to be, it can feel, you know, like, wait, I'm, I'm being innovative and in that I'm going to fail. Well, failure can be really good in, in times that are tough because it, you're learning something. And like what I love about Amazon is they talk a lot about two-way doors. Most things are two-way doors. You do something, you do a test, you know, Dara's talking about testing things. You find out it didn't work, guess what? You walk back through that door. There are very little things that are one-way doors in our jobs. Now, capital expenditures, large tech platform investments, those things are one-way doors. We need to be thoughtful about them. But most things are two-way doors. And so innovation in times that are tough is really key. Yeah, absolutely. And boy, Dara, I remember, I, I've been in San Francisco now for a long time, and it, it must have been 15 15 or 10 years ago, I walked through the Autodesk Gallery for the first time. Has anybody seen the gallery here? If you haven't, you, you, you got to see it. It's pretty amazing. I think we're having dinner there later. So um, the stuff you guys do, I didn't, blows my mind. Like, not only do you help your clients innovate and come up with, like, cars for 30 years from now, um, you know, and all these other things, but your team is constantly being pushed to, to have these ideas. Like, how do you... How do you keep them going? How do you keep it fresh? You know, it's it's a couple of things. I think first is really making sure that marketing is a part of the business. And I say that, I like to say, first, I'm a business leader. <laughs> and my expertise is like marketing, communications, commercial, but I'm a business leader. And I say that because I think that's very important. I think sometimes in tech companies, sorry, Nick, to pick on you a little bit, but that idea of servitude <laughs> where it's like, and I actually think it's more like partnership and collaboration because many times as marketers, we have our ears to what our customers need, right? We, where do you start from? Every marketer has their own pedagogy. Mm -hmm. I start from insights, right? I start from a place of data and insights. What is the customer insight? What is that deep truth? And then how do we go and act on that deep truth. And I think for us, like really making sure that marketing has that seat at the table and that we're working in a collaborative nature with our, with our, with our partners, I think allows us to drive more innovation. And it allows us to come up with what's new really quickly. I'm gonna pick on Aishwarya because she's here right over there. Um, she leads marketing for Fusion, which is one of our really, it's our design and manufacturing cloud. And it's used by students all over the world. And you know, it has generative AI in it, right? It helps you do generative design and consider possibilities of what if. So imagine you wanna design a chair. You can kind of go in and put the parameters in. I want it to have four legs. I want, and it's gonna come up with all these different options. And then you can then pick and kind of go and build on that. It's gonna cause you to think about a chair in a way you've never thought about. Trust me, I've actually walked through this with an engineer. So it's like, it's gonna make you think about things that you're like, I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't even know that was possible. And I assure you, she leads this, you know, weekly meeting with 
product and we've got the head of our industry team and our sales team and customer success and all these folks coming together that quickly to iterate because things are moving that quickly. And I think that's the type of collaboration that is so key and so important and that drives innovation. So really that collaboration and then the cadence of collaboration is also really important because it's not like you can be like, okay, we're going to meet for our annual plan and we'll see you, you know, 12 months from now. Things are moving too quickly for that. So that, 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 that is really key. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is about culture and it's about saying, this is a test. I like what you said around, around two-way doors. I think many times as marketers, we are afraid to do something because either we've kind of, we go out and we make this such a big deal that when it doesn't work out, our budgets get cut and we lose all credibility or we are just afraid. And so we don't do anything new. We just kind of keep the same playbook. And I think it's really important to say, look, we are going to try something brand new for this company. We are going to try on TV advertising. And we're not only going to do one ad, we're going to take four ads at the Oscars, right? And we're going to see how this works for us and whether creativity, um, creative effectiveness is effective for our business. You have to be willing. And by the way, that is a true story. That is something we did here at Autodesk. Um, and, 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 you know, you, that, it's really important to be able to be bold and take those steps and try those things and just state it is a test. It is a test. It's a two-way door, right? I can walk through that door and I can walk right back if it's not right. And I think that culture, and it's really important to create that culture because if you have a culture where your team thinks we can't try new things, right? We can't fail. We can't experiment. Then your team is going to, they're just going to give you the playbook they've been doing for the last 10 years, right? They're not going to want to move a color outside the lines. In fact, I'm not like state, like go outside the box. I'm like, there is no box. So there is no box, right? Kill the box, free the box. I don't know. We're working free on that. Free the box, <laughs> like, get rid of the box. And I think it's really important to be able to kind of create that culture where that matters. The last thing I'll say is communication. So I do a 15 minute stand up with my org every single week. Um, the only time I'm not doing is maybe if I'm on a Disney cruise with my kids and I don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm doing a, a 15 minutes and it's really important to me to be able to share with my team what's top of mind for me. Um, if there's any core questions, I can answer them and also make sure that they're also aware of like, what are the things happening in our organization? Because I think when you have a global team, like I, you know, we also have a team in, you know, so many, over 50 countries, it's really difficult to make sure everyone's on the same page. And that communication is key. And let me tell you, just when you get sick of communicating is when the message is starting to be absorbed. Literally, <laughs> the minute you're like, do I really have to say that again? That's when it's, so if you're not at that point, you're not communicating well enough. <laughs> and so that really focus on communication and bringing the team together because people get inspired. When I hear, oh, wow, look what this team in China did. That inspires me to think about what can I do here in the U.S.? or what can I do here in Germany? And so it's really important to have that culture of collaboration, that culture of sharing, that culture of, you know, giving each other shout outs, that culture of, of fostering connectivity and um, relationship. Great. Thank you. Okay. I know we have a, a packed agenda still. Um, I have more questions for you, but we do have a lot of meat we're going to dig into in the breakout. So um, I want to respect everybody's time here. I think we are already over a little bit. Um, but before we do go to breakouts, let me, just to give everybody a sense, um, virtually there's also going to be a breakout as well. Nick's going to lead it. And we're going to go deeper into kind of the human behind the employees and the teams that we lead. And sometimes, you know, this has been amazing tips from everyone but sometimes it takes a little bit more, right? Because they, if they don't subscribe, woof, you got a problem. So 
Before we go into that, I'm going to ask each one of you real quickly to talk about one leadership trait that is important to you to help provide safety and empathy for your employee base that you feel is something we should all be considering. So, um, Laura, we haven't started with you yet. Let's yeah, go ahead. I would just say, don't just hear, listen. Okay. Uh, courage to own your voice and try a new idea and then try it again. <laughs> Nick, how about you? I think radical candor. Radical candor. I like that. And Dara? I'll say curiosity and debate. I think you need to be curious and I think you need to debate. Um, I Every time I have an idea, I put it to my team and I say, tear it apart. What do you think? What's wrong with this? And I have, there are folks that love to give me that feedback, which I love. Um, but the minute you have the best idea, you need to go home. So I think it's really important to create, and whoever it is in that organization, create a culture of debate. Allow, create a culture where your team can challenge your ideas. Cause I think that's actually how we get to the best ideas. Amazing, amazing. Visionaries is brought to you in partnership with the Wall Street Journal and made possible by our parent company, 24 seven. To find out more about the Marketers That Matter community, visit marketersthatmatter.com. And finally, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think.